Hey guys, welcome back to A Goal in Mind. It's Lainey. Sorry that it's been such a long time. It's been hectic at school and I've gone through some personal things. But I'm back. I have actually kind of a long episode today just to catch up on some of the uh, things that have been happening. I might get I missed the episode trying to talk about Chelsea and Spurs and that Derby game. Um, you guys missed nothing. I watched it and it remained 0-0, but we'll talk about that later. Um, again, some of this news, I might say it's old. It's relative in the last like kind of two weeks or so. Um, so it's definitely still appropriate to talk about these things. But yeah, let's get into it. So the first thing I want to mention which again, relative with the last month, is that David Beckham is going to earn more from FIFA 21 than he did at Manchester United and PSG. So I use this article from Sports Bible. I love them. I get a lot of my messages from them. Not messages, news from them. So they said that he will earn more. So apparently David Beckham is now playable in FIFA 21 as an ultimate team icon and will be available free to anyone who plays the game by January 15th. So there is still time. So ESPN UK put out a tweet that says 23 years after he was the cover star of FIFA 98, David Beckham is back in FIFA 21 as an icon. So kind of like back to the money. So in the sports Bible article, they mentioned information that they found from the mirror. So this is what they found. And again, it's all allegedly, no one really knows, but allegedly it's a three-year contract worth 40 million pounds. And this means he is allegedly collecting 2,056. Oh my God. <laughs> I literally cannot read numbers. It's close to final. My brain's fried. Allegedly, he will be collecting 256,000 pounds per week. So while this is really interesting and cool, FIFA has been really underwhelming lately. And this is kind of coming from a fan of the game. I enjoyed playing FIFA. I really like ultimate team and stuff like that in career mode, like all the different stuff. But, but I feel like they kind of keep reusing the same game year after year. So it's usually one of the most popular games of the year but it has dropped in its physical sales by more than 42% in last year's release. And this is important to note that this does not include digital downloads. As I said, it was physical sales. Um, and with stuff like the new launch um, of the PS5 and the new Xbox and stuff like that, more people probably are leaning more digital because kind of why do you want the discs? But that's still a lot, 42% is a huge deal. And so, again, I said this might not may have nothing to do with FIFA at all, um, but it's clear kind of according to my research that people just aren't interested in the game as much. And I do want to note that I did look it up, and if you choose to buy FIFA 21 on PS4 and Xbox One, which I have the Xbox One, you have until FIFA 22's release to claim the free upgrade for the next gen consoles. So you will not be paying for two games. Um, I know for Call of Duty, uh, for Cold War that just got released, you do have to pay like the $10 upgrade. FIFA, you kind of have a year um, until FIFA 21's release. 
top right hand. So the next topic, we are going back on Marcus Rashford. Um, he's back and doing amazing things. Um, I think this one's really personal to me. I kind of want to talk about it and not really get that sappy, but it's important to mention he is launching a book club in 2021 with the goal to help kids enjoy, in quotes, the escapism of reading. He's working with a publisher called Macmillan Children's Books to not only help provide children the opportunity um, to read, <laughs> I don't know what my notes said, <laughs> to read, but also he's going to um, publish several different books under this company. Um, here are some quotes I found from CNN's article. Uh, Rashford said, I only started reading at 17 and completely changed my outlook and mentality. I just wish I was offered the opportunity to really engage in reading more as a child, but books were never a thing we could budget for as a family and we need to put food on the table. There were times as a child that the escapism of reading could have really helped me. I want this escapism for all children, not just those who can afford it. We know there's approximately 400,000 children across the UK today that have never owned a book. Children that are in vulnerable environments that ask to change. My books are and will be for every child. Even if I have to deliver them myself, we will reach them. This is so incredibly amazing. Other than the fact that he is making books more affordable for low-income families and stuff like that. That's great. I'm not diminishing that, but I'm putting that aside. Reading is so important to me. Uh, I read a lot as a child, kind of stopped. You know, you get into middle school, high school, you have sports. I was on at one point, like four soccer teams. I was on a select team, my school team, a boys team, and another team. So like I had zero time for anything else. I've missed friends' birthdays and stuff like that, literally for games. So when I wasn't doing homework, I was either like working out uh, to be better and more fit for soccer or actually practicing or playing games. So I kind of took a break, but my dad, a lot of, I don't think a lot of people know in Iowa, but a lot of people obviously know back home because I went to a school of a hundred kids. My dad passed away the day before my high school graduation. And then two months later, I moved halfway across the country to go to school. And I am not saying I was bad by no means, this is not meant to be an insult in any way. Clearly, I liked it if I chose to go to school there. But culturally, it is very different than the Northeast. Um, the stores I grew up in, like with, don't really exist there. Like, I grew up having Carvel ice cream. I have since learned by talking to people in Iowa, Carvel is only a Northeast thing. I thought it was everywhere. Um, you have Dick's Sporting Goods in Iowa. It's Shields you know, just like different things. And I think that's one of the reasons I kind of liked Iowa. You get experience different cultures and stuff like that. But it's hard. You lose a loved one. You go across the country to a place that's culturally different from your own. You know no one. Um, and everyone apparently is from the same high school or the same area. But it's hard. You go through that grieving the people you want to grieve with and who comfort you or back home, it was really hard. 
And the thing that I kind of turned to during this time was reading. Um, it allowed, like I would read like three books a week on top of schoolwork, but it just helped me so much. Cause like you said, you're able to escape to another world and kind of live through them. And you learn things like good versus evil and just other like love conquers all, all that like nonsense reading stuff. But it's true, like you get an escape and it's comforting. And I talk to my mom a lot about this and I'm very privileged and fortunate. I completely understand that. But my favorite thing is going to Barnes and Nobles or going to the library. And I love just picking out books. Like when I'm anxious, um, I will sometimes either Barnes or the library go to one of them and legitimately just read different books, look at different things. I'll pick up a few. I have a huge library at my house from the books I've collected. And legitimately, I, I'm able to do that because of privilege, because I don't have to worry about other things. I can afford to buy books. And the fact that he's trying to provide this for other children just like kind of means so much. I know what this has done for my mental health. I know that this has been one of the things that has really worked for me while I've grieved my father. Um, and I think it's a great thing on top of everything else he's doing. I also like, and this is an assumption, I don't really know for a fact, but I feel like a lot of, I'm friends with a lot of guys and none of them really talk about reading. Um, a lot of them don't read full uh, point blank, but I think it's one of those things that a lot of people, a lot of guys don't talk about. And it's, it's kind of seen as a more girly thing, which it definitely isn't. Um, but it's nice that someone of his kind of like level is telling children it's important to read, but also kind of showing guys, young guys that like, it's cool to read. It's a great thing. It can help you, um, which I think is really cool. So again, big props to Marcus Rashford. Sorry for that spiel, but um, like it honestly, like really, really warms my heart that he's doing something like this. And I completely agree of how important it is. So we're moving on to another Man United uh, player. And it's Edison Cavani. This happened this weekend. So it's very much more current than the Rashford thing, which was like two weeks ago. But um, Edison Cavani had um, this kind of whole thing has to do with racism. And I want to make this extremely clear. I do not support racism. I am very much against racism. Um, I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. I'm laughing because um, usually in big topics, I kind of like laugh because I stumble over my words. But like, in all honesty, like racism is not okay. But I want to make it really, really clear that this section, I'm not giving my opinion on whether the incident was racist or not. This is not me saying whether he should or shouldn't get banned. I am just stating the facts. Um, again, I do not, I'm not going to say the word he said. So please look it up. There's a ton, a ton of articles written about it. It's very easy to find. Um, I will kind of show why, like, 
obviously I'm not saying the word because it's clear that it has racist connotations. Um, but I'm not gonna say the word because I will show you why in a little while. Um, Cavani, who again is on Manchester United, faces a possible ban from the FA, the Football Association, due to a social media post. So in this week's or like this past week's game, Cavani came off the bench at halftime and assisted and scored two goals, which led them to win the game three to two against Southampton. And it was a really interesting game to watch. Um, we really thought Southampton was going to win it at my household, which it wouldn't even shock me. Um, my friend's brother likes to bet on sports. And he's asking me my opinions on the games. And I was like, do not touch the Liverpool Brighton game. Do not touch Man U Southampton at all. Do not even bet on those. Those are complete wild cards. And it turns out I was right. <laughs> um, so after the game, so he did really well. And because of Kamani, they won, is obviously. So after the game, he posted a message that included a Spanish word. Again, look up the word, I will not say it. To thank a friend who congratulated him on his performance. Um, according to an article from 90 Men, another great website for you to look up soccer stuff, the term can be used in an affectionate context between friends in South America. So Cavani is from Uruguay. So again, it's an affection. Um, it can be used in an affectionate context um, where he's from. However, it has racist connotations when translated to English. So that's why it's really kind of, um, there's a lot of going back and forth between this because in where he's from and in his language, it apparently is an affectionate con like term. Uh, it can be used in affectionate term, but in English it's not. Um, so he deleted the post and apologized saying, the message I posted after the match on Sunday was intended as an affectionate greeting to a friend, thanking him for his congratulations after the game. The last thing I wanted to do was cause offense to anyone. I'm completely opposed to racism and deleted the message as soon as it was explained that can be interpreted differently. I would like to sincerely apologize for this. Man United, his club, went on to later state in a post it's clear to us that there was absolutely no malice intent, um, malicious intent behind Edison's message, and he deleted it as soon as he was informed that it could be misconstrued. Misconstrued? Misconstrued? Again, my brain is fried. You know what I mean. Edison has issued an apology for any unintentional offense caused. Manchester United and all of our players are fully committed to the fight against racism. So the FA is known to be very firm when it comes to racist behavior, which obviously is the right thing to do. Um, you have to be firm. There's no other really way to say it. Um, so in the past, they banned Bernardo Silva, who was on Man City, who is on Man City, for one game last year when it came to a social media post on Benjamin Mendy, who's his teammate. Um, and they also banned Luis Suarez when he played for Liverpool. And side note, he is also Cavani's Uruguay teammate and they are friends, I think, supposedly. I don't know. Uh, they play together <laughs> uh, for eight games. 
They banned him for eight games for calling Patrice Evra a racist term during a game. Um, I'm not obviously going to say the word, but it was bad. I remember like watching the game because I've seen highlights and stuff like that. It was clear he was doing it in a racist way. Um, so Gary Neville, who's a pundit for Sky Sports, talked a lot about this incident. Um, his stance is pretty clear that there needs to be more education and training put into place for soccer players. Um, so this was done. I'm looking at um, a Give Me Sport article because it says um, the exact stuff that Gary Neville said. So if you want to read more about that and look at the quotes where I'm getting it from, check out Give Me Sport. But he said, if we truly, uh, why is Edison Cavani not subjected to diversity, tr inclusion, training, and education the minute he comes into this country? If we truly are going to root out discrimination in this country, it has to, be, has to become part of the curriculum in school and within sport. Every employer in the country has to enter into a diversity inclusion training program and implement and execute it. We are still going to continue to see incidents like this where Cavani reposted that Instagram story, didn't have a clue that he was doing anything wrong, and within 24 hours, he is having to apologize for it. Neville then went on to blame the Premier League, among other organizations, for not providing sufficient training. Again, these uh, quotes are also from Give Me Sport. The Premier League, the FA, the EFL, the LMA, and the PFA. They are full... Um, he responded to them saying when he was asked who's to blame, he said those organizations, they are full, they are all full, oh my god, they are all funded, they all have lots of money, put a diversity inclusion set of protocols and processes in place that are fixed that all five buy up to. We have five different slogans, BLM, show racist the red card, no room for racism, uh, kick it out and players together and they cannot even come together on a singular campaign on something that should be one, uh, should be one at least collaborate on important issues that are societal drive it out of the game root out discrimination and it has to be done by education and training that means players and everyone that takes part in this game including us do bi-weekly or monthly training on diversity and inclusion and why people take offense to certain words and why some people don't. If it offends someone, it is a problem. And I think he sums it up perfectly. If every other, if you're holding other corporations and organizations to the standard that you have to take and provide diversity include, uh, inclusion training, you have to hold sports accountable to that too. Um, I would say the Premier League, and especially other leagues, I get that. But the Premier League, there's been racist incidents when I have gone to games. Um, there's been racist incidents just walking. Rudiger is an example. Um, I know John Terry was a racist. I understand that. But it's clear that it's a huge problem in sports there. And like he says, if it offends someone, it is a problem. So I think that kind of is perfect. Uh, so the next topic we have to talk about, Chelsea. 
there's this article that I found discussing whether Chelsea can win the league or not. So what I like to do kind of before the season starts, I like to write the list of teams and write a table of where I think these teams will finish. I like to write who will get golden glove and uh, golden boot and that sort of stuff and just kind of compare and see where I believe the teams will end up. And it's nice after you're done to see like, were you even close, were you not, um, and stuff like that. So I did that this season and I, everyone knows this, so this is not, oh, by the way, uh, pause. When you write your list, you put it in an envelope and you put it away and you cannot edit it. You can't look at it. You can't share it until it's over. Okay, now continuing. So everyone knows I put Chelsea as number one. Like, it's not a secret. I've said this before I made the list that we were going to win. So that's not spoiling anything off my list. But I said with the players being brought in that we have a good chance. I think last year we had defensive issues. I'm not going to deny that. But also, this was the first year that these young players played in the Premier League. Um, and you could just tell they got burnt out. We lost games last year. We shouldn't have lost fair. Um, but it's clear they got burnt out. They were exhausted, especially with the whole COVID mishap. Um, mishap's a bad word, but um, mishap's really a bad word. That and, um, with COVID happening, um, the season got um, post, um, paused. Yeah, paused. I literally cannot think of the right words to say. Um, it's clear they got burnt out due to COVID pausing the season. And you could tell, like, Tammy Abraham at the start of the season was amazing. I thought he was doing really well. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, he's not like your traditional striker where he's going to post up high and, like, hold on to the ball like Diego Costa would or Harry Kane. He's not aggressive like that, but he was doing really well. Um, Mason Mount, who, again, I think he's good. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a little overrated. Yes. It's just because when you play soccer, you develop your own style. And he just doesn't really fit my style that I prefer to play or prefer for people to do. Um which is fine. I, I know that, but he is good. Um, he burnt out a little, but he was also playing like every single game. Like it's so understandably why he burned out. But this year with all the new players, like with Werner, Kai, uh, the year I don't really know how to say it. Um, Tiago, Chilwell. Hopefully I'm not missing any. Um, I legitimately thought like, oh, oh, Mendy, oh my God, Mendy, our goalie, who is so amazing. I legitimately thought like, okay, like we have a chance to get number one. We cannot tie our way to number one, which is basically what we are doing now. We tied against Spurs over the weekend. And while I am happy about that, all right, we're just cutting all that. I'm starting over. I'm so sorry um, for editing this. Boo, 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 boo. We're starting over. So I 
So I saw this article and it's Chelsea can win the league. Can Chelsea win the league? And I legitimately believe we can. So at the beginning of every season, I like to kind of write how I think the table's going to turn out. I like to write who will get the most goals, who will have the most save, stuff like that. I love being able to kind of compare after the season. Did I even come close? Did I not? Especially this year with how crazy it is and how anyone can basically win a game, which is the same as previous years, but it's like super true now. It's super interesting to see. So what we do is we write that, we put it in an envelope, and then we uh, don't talk about it and we see it at the end of the season. Everyone knows, um, who did this with me, knows that I believe Chelsea can win the league. I think with the new players we got, that we have a chance. I thought we could win last year. Um, We didn't do poorly, but it's clear the players burnt out. Tammy Abraham, burnout. Mason Mount, burnout, which it's rightly so. Like, he was playing every game. But, like, Tammy Abraham, he looked horrible after coming back after COVID. Like, so bad. And he doesn't, like, look that great now, but we'll get into it. So it's can Chelsea win the league. So we tied 0-0 against Spurs over the weekend. And am I happy about that game? Yes and no. Yes, because defensively, we did great. We were able to shut down Son. We were able to shut down Kane, which are huge accomplishments. I've posted them on my fantasy team because they get me a ton of points every game. But when you look on the, at the offense, I am not happy one bit. How can we have so many chances throughout the game, especially the second half, and just not get anything in? It's like this game I played um, in practice growing up where you had to keep possession in the 18. It's like they are playing that game instead of scoring. Like, it is super annoying to watch because we keep having chances. We keep, we were able to hold possession up in their half. And consistently, we bombed easy chances. We made crosses to no one. My favorite is, I thought this would be gone after Marcus Alonso kind of got axed from the team. Do not cross it in to another player, like to one of their players. It's literally Chilwell. Um, I'm bombing on names, Reese James. Would bring it up, cross it, and cross it directly to a Spurs player. As if, like, it's so incredibly frustrating. You can tell I'm getting really mad. But it's just annoying to watch when you know you can win these big games and you just don't. I'm tired of watching them go out and tie every team when I know we are better than this. I think the issue is, first of all, Werner looks like a cat in the sense of, like, at his previous team, he was a lion. Like, he was unstoppable. And now, it's somehow he's like a cat. Like, he doesn't do anything. He just kind of sits there, does nothing. Not sits there, but, like, he runs around, tries to help. But when he gets the ball, like, okay, like, you're not doing anything. Like, you are half the person that you were. And to be fair, the Premier League is a different league. Um, It's much more aggressive and all that than the Bundesliga and stuff like that. But, like, come on. Why is it when we get good players, they go bad at our team? So I don't think Werner is being used right. He's kind of being that like 
don't know. Like, I just don't think he's being used right. And I don't think Tammy Abraham is quite good. Um, I like him personally. I like him personally, but uh, he missed second. Like, he missed big chances in the second half. And he's not doing well when he has the ball. I believe that Pulisic is perfect for Werner. I believe that it should be somehow Pulisic and Zayic on the ends and take out take out Abraham. Like, at least I personally love Giroud. I think he's amazing. He played amazing yesterday in our Champions League game. But legitimately, like, you can't have Abraham. Do not let him go on. People are saying he's in form now. I don't see it. Um... Again, like him when it comes to social media, he seems like a great guy. Just he's he's not the type of player I want or need on the field. Like I like players like Diego Costa, like Drogba, stuff like that. And he's just not that type of player for me. But in other news, Chelsea's on a 14 match unbeaten run. Like half of those are ties. Um like we can do better. Like learn how to score, learn how to be aggressive in the box. Let's go. So the last thing after this long, long um podcast episode and after me screaming about Chelsea, Diego Maradona sadly passed away due to a heart attack in his Buenos Aires home. Uh, there has been tributes to him all over social media. It's a huge deal to the soccer community. But one thing that I'm not sure about is this article. Uh, There's several articles about him, but his eldest son has asked Lionel Messi to give up the number 10 shirt at Barca as a tribute. Messi and Maradona are both Argentinian um, and they're huge players. So about the number 10 shirt. The number 10 shirt is iconic in soccer. Every soccer player wants that jersey because it kind of symbolizes you are the best on that team. So players who have had the number 10 has been um, Neymar, um, Messi, Sergio Aguero. Um, I personally, this is just um, a fun fact about me. I personally like the number 11. Um, It was my mom's number. She still plays soccer. That's still her number. And a lot of my favorite players have been eleven. Oscar, Drogba, um, there's been a lot. So it's a personal choice for, like, in my case. Um, and a lot of people, it is a personal choice, but usually uh, 10 symbolizes the best. Um, so, like, Messi, back to the Maradona thing, Messi's kind of built his brand around being the number 10. Now, it's not as much as Ronaldo and the CR7 stuff, but when you see, when I see 10, I instantly think of Messi um now my whole thing is um I know what it's like to lose a parent I explained it earlier in this episode it is incredibly hard um I know the want to do something meaningful to remember them as this huge thing to symbolize what they meant but I don't think this is it His son said that he would like to see the shirt number retired at every club his father played for in honor of him. He said, in the teams where he played, I think so, including Barca. I have no doubt. The Marseille manager said that FIFA should retire the number 10 shirt across the world 
uh, cross world football as a tribute to Maradona. Again, like I get the need to support your favorite player, especially in a time where it's so sad, and I get the need to so want to do something nice as uh, for a parent who has died. Um, I know that really well personally, but again, ten is symbolic to soccer players, and Pele was ten. Like he's still like that was also his number. So there. So when you think of the greats, you think Maradona and Pele. Like one of them. That's also their number. And I get it's sad. I get the situation sucks, but again, like I, I just personally think it's. You can't get rid of the most like one of the most symbol symbolic things when it comes to soccer. Um, I'm really sad about Maradona passing. I've seen highlights in games that he's played in, and he's truly, literally one of the best. But I do not think the retiring number ten thing is the way to go. Um, people work all their careers to get that number, and I think it kind of suck. Um, other than that, that's the episode for today. Definitely was a long one. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I know for a fact we'll be back next week. Um, I have some good episodes coming out. Again, we have a derby coming up, uh, Boxing Day, which I, I guess not a thing in the U.S. I only really know it because of soccer. Uh, December 26th, Arsenal versus Chelsea. Like, how amazing is it the day after, like, my favorite holiday, I get to watch my team and their ultimate rival battle it out. I think that's, like, I, for me, that's a really nice treat. Um, so we have good episodes coming out. Uh, see you guys next week. Have a nice weekend. Bye, guys.